This is the Horse Radio Network. This week, we're excited to welcome British equestrian journalist Victoria Goff as a special guest. We'll chat about all things horses in the UK. Hint, it rains a lot. And we dish on one of our favorite new books. Thanks for tuning in. From Heels Down Magazine, a podcast where horse pros chat about what's happening in the horse world over drinks. Welcome Welcome to Happy Happy Hour. Hour. I'm Sally Spickard. I'm Jess Payne, and welcome to episode 24 of Heels Down Happy Hour. And today we have a special guest, uh, an equestrian journalist and press officer for Hickstead Showgrounds in the UK. Please welcome Victoria Goff. Hi. Hi there. Welcome. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for having me. We're excited for you to be on the show today and talk a little bit about Hopefully you guys are getting a little bit better, better weather. We're actually raining today here. So I hope you guys have good forecasts in the future. So, um, we do. It's finally sunny after the longest, wettest winter on record. We are finally getting some good weather. So I actually got quite hot when I rode earlier. (laughs) And when you mean hot, what degrees is it? Because it's like almost 90 degrees Fahrenheit here. That is hot. Oh my gosh. We work in Celsius, and I have to really yeah. think about Fahrenheit. Um, so oh, yeah. let me just pull up the converter. I'll just keep it on hand. <laughs> uh, I think it was about twenty-four today. So, oh, so that's uh, pretty warm, though. That's yeah, pretty warm. it was warm, and uh, yeah, I was jumping, and I was almost passing out with heat. <laughs> it's a bit of a shock, but uh, I yeah, love when was... everybody says, "Oh, it's like you know, eighteen degrees Celsius," and I'm I'm dying of heat, and I'm like, "Oh, that is not hot." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit different over here. Yeah, exactly. So did you bring on a special drink now that we're heels down happy hour? We always like to introduce our guest and have them bring on a drink. What do you have for us as your favorite drink? A real British drink and especially a summer drink. Nobody ever drinks this in the winter months. But now that the sunshine has arrived, I am drinking a Pims, which for those of you who don't know, Um, it is a strange um, sort of cocktail-based drink um, that you mix with lemonade. You have one part pims, three parts lemonade, and you chuck in loads of fruit, so like strawberries and raspberries, and then you have some mint and some cucumber and some ice, and it's really, really tasty. It doesn't seem that alcoholic at all, so um, people drink it like it's a soft drink. And um, <laughs> And then they can't walk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Everyone's like, oh, it's fine. It's just Pims. And then like the (laughs) collapse. But uh, it's so so full of fruit that actually I'm convinced it's one of your five a day. So it's a really healthy alcoholic drink. Absolutely. (laughs) That is my kind of drink. (laughs) That's the best excuse. Yeah, exactly. It's a healthy drink. That's why I drink Bloody Mary. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that is what I'm having. So uh, cheers, as they say in the UK. (laughs) Probably Here's not in America. Yeah, yeah, I don't even though the I don't think you can buy pims here in the states really. Can you, Jess? I don't in think so, I've really seen it in some places. Like you okay. have to find some liquor stores do carry it because I know my friends are always really like my British friends or my friends who've spent time in the UK are always extremely excited when they find it. So I feel like it's rare. <laughs> yeah, no, and it is. It's it's fun because when we uh, were over in England, we drank quite a bit of it, and then you come back and you're like, oh, I have to find it, and it is quite difficult to find. So. It is a fun hmm. drink, though. I think you guys need it. to embrace embrace Pims. It's a real horse show drink. If you go racing, you drink Pims. If you go to a three-day event, you drink Pims. If you go to, like, showing or show jumping, Pims. So, I love it. I'm missing out. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> 
So this episode is brought to you by Eagle Gold, and I am super excited because show season's really starting, and there's so many different. I think a lot of people always associate Eagle Gold with the uh, the shaped cross country which are awesome but I know I just I always see you guys using your pads on your jumper horses or even if you go to a dressage show so it seems like they're just kind of part of your program no matter what you're doing right oh we have yes a different equal pad for every different discipline including one of my favorite equal pads is the hunter equal gold um, oh that's right looks, they do make a shape pad don't they mm-hmm, they do and so it looks very very classy so when we go on the hunter ring or the derby ring that is what we definitely bring that's really cool because it's like, I always like when I grew up doing the hunters, my pad, you know, those, those old fleece pads, they always slip around because there's literally no grip. So it's cool that Eagle Gold actually kind of saw the opportunity and came out with something like that. No, it's great. Cause you can't wear a breastplate. I mean, you have like a yeah, standing martingale have- and that's it. So it is exactly. absolutely a key to have in the hunter ring so that your saddle doesn't move. Yep. So yeah, no matter what discipline you do, you are covered. Um, you can shop for your own Eagle Gold at ecogold.ca. Um, so as we go into news, guys, I was um, I was I've been getting into Reddit a lot le- recently. So you can just call me like Mini Justine. I was gonna say you've been hanging out with Justine too much. <laughs> I have. I'm telling you, man. Like we bonded in Kentucky, and I'm like living her life. Except I'm not in the Bahamas, so we just won't talk about that. So anyway, we I was on Reddit and I saw this story. Or I don't know if you guys have seen. There's this video that I guess went viral. I don't know, earlier this month or something. And it's this video of a guy who's literally carrying a horse on his back. Did I don't know if you no. seen I hadn't actually uh. seen the video before. So <laughs> there's like no joke, a video of this guy and he's got this chestnut horse like on his back and he's holding it by the front and the back leg and he's just like walking through a field. And the backstory is that he his horse had gotten bitten by a snake and that he carried it three miles home. Well, so the the website Snopes, which is kind of like a, a fake news, like detective group, they kind of like fact check things on the Internet, which is great. Um, so they actually like broke it down and they were like, so this video is actually not of a horse that got bitten by a snake. But the guy was competing in Ukraine's Got Talent and he was no. literally like a power lifter and he carried the horse because he was wanting to show that he was strong enough to to actually carry a horse if I tried and one I could not ever pick up one of my horses <laughs> but two I'm pretty sure they would kick me so, well I mean that's the thing is this horse is just like chilling like he's out. he has no problem like he is I I don't know if it's a he but it's it's just this you know like this guy's pretty large but the horse is and it's a horse I don't think it's necessarily like a 17 18 hand horse but I mean that's that's just pretty crazy so Hats off to that guy, Ukraine, Ukraine strongman. <laughs> he yeah. definitely made a mistake there, though, because, um, you know, people can't tell the difference between ponies and horses. And so he, he went, he could have just got a small pony. And it could be like, like a mini. wow. Yeah. <laughs> and instead he went for a proper, like, decent size horse. So, yeah, yeah. That, was his, that was his main mistake there. He I'd go get one of those, like, horse, like Thumbelina. I'd go, I'd go get a yeah. little Thumbelina. <laughs> Yeah, like the mini ones that like are like happy for you to carry them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That actually fits into like uh, your arms. Yeah, yeah, one under each arm and balance you out and oh, make much more sense. Goodness, uh, Victoria, do you have any any news to add? So, your side of the world? I've been uh, checking out over in Germany. They've had a, a 
a major event over there called the Hamburg Derby, which is one of the oldest show jumping competitions in the world. I found out it first was held in 1920, which um, wow. is, is quite a long time ago. Um, and it's been won by some of the biggest show jumpers, um, like Luca Beerbaum's won it, um, all the kind of, kind of stars from Germany. But actually, this year, a British guy won. So we're all super proud of him over here. Um, it, I don't know if you, you guys have ever watched it or watched any YouTube videos, but it's the craziest course. It's got um, a double of banks that um, they have to jump on and jump off. Um, and they've got one major bank that they have to go down, um, jump halfway off the bank and then land with one stride and jump a huge upright. Wow. Um, and towards the end of the course, they've just got a double, which is just uh, one single pole on top of the wings and absolutely nothing underneath it. No ground line, no filler, just a pole hanging in the middle of the air and it's the longest course goes on and on and on and on for ages so it is quite amazing so um a guy called Matt Sampson who's quite a young British rider um he he ended up winning a three-way jump off um with the German show jumper and the German event rider Sandra Aufarth who um was uh, ended up being third in the Hamburg Derby so oh she won she won the WEG in 2014 yeah yeah she did so a bit a bit like her teammate Mikael Young uh yeah Whatever discipline she decides, multi-talented. To do, she's probably off doing Grand Prix dressage like Mikkel as well. Like <laughs> no wonder they win everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, nice to see one of the events beating, uh, beating the show jumpers at their own game. Wow, that now you don't really see a whole. You now, Jess, you guys do more show jumping, but you don't really see a whole lot of that stuff here. Oh no, nothing like over there. It's it's incredible. I love watching the YouTube videos of it. Really I don't cool- even know how you would remember that course though. Like I have trouble remembering a jumper course as it is. And this is like a six or seven sometimes I feel like minute long course. So what's amazing uh, about the Hamburg Derby and the same um, at Hicks said where we have the British equivalent is the course doesn't change. So um, it's been the same since 1920 um, and the same at Hicks said since 1961. And so they've wow. made um, modern safety changes like they have lighter poles like Hicks said they have um like the safety cups instead of the old-fashioned ones um and they've made a few sort of amends over the years but basically what the riders are jumping today is what they were jumping all those years ago so it's quite cool because it means you can kind of compare year on year and how many clears there's been and so um that's probably makes it quite easy because it's the only course that I could probably reel off (laughs) off the top of my head because it is the same over and over again so it makes it quite cool a unique a unique class the derby class sounds like it yeah it's really cool so i have some little random news um they did this article over where a 13 year old responded to an ad that this pony needed to be rescued and they were going to put it to sleep so the pony actually gave her grandmother's address that the pony could get dropped off and they would adopt (laughs) it in the backyard (laughs) of I mean, they live in the middle of the city. So they're literally, they dropped this pony off. Somebody was going to abandon it and put it in the back of her grandmother's yard without her grandmother noticing or knowing until she woke up that morning. (laughs) So, and it was basically like to raise awareness, like, you know, trying to get rescues to like get involved with the ponies and everything else. So it turns out it was fine. And the pony got to a good home and everything else through this. But at the time it was because the 13-year-old responded and was trying to do the right thing and say, look, let's not put the pony to sleep. I'll give you my grandmother's address trying to save this cute pony. That's totally something I would do. 
It sounds like something out of a, a children's pony book that you used right. to read when you were little. And what I want to happen is for that 13-year-old girl to train that pony and then, like, compete. <laughs> like, and win the Olympics. <laughs> yes, exactly. That, it, that, that's the plot right there. <laughs> it's going to be the next children's book, right? Another one. No kidding. So cute. Oh, that's adorable. So just a friendly reminder, um, we've got Giddy Up Goodies as one of our proud sponsors on the Heels Down Happy Hour. And they were super nice and gave us a discount code for just this month um, for anybody who wants to check out their boxes, which this month it's uh, like a hair care theme and there's always like full size product in it. Um, it's totally worth it. You always get stuff that you are always using and always needing in your tack trunk. Um, but anyway, the code is uh, Heels Down May and you'll get 30% off your entire order. Uh, they also sell individual items that have been in boxes on their website as well. So you can add a couple of those to your cart too. So um, go to giddy-upgoodies.com. You can use your coupon through May 31st. Um, so I just finished reading uh, Charlotte Duhardan's biography and it's called The Girl on the Dancing Horse. It's been put out by Trafalgar Square um, Horse and Rider Books here in the U.S. And and I have got to tell you guys that I, I'm kind of a biography nerd to begin with. I really enjoy reading people's life stories. But this book was so good because she really kind of is very honest with how, you know, her life was really not as glamorous as it would appear. And, you know, she's she's definitely, I, I at least from my observation, she definitely is kind of the UK's golden girl. And, um, you know, she's received so much public adoration and commendation and, you know, but there's so much that she also kind of struggled with. So, you know, just reading about her beginnings, you know, she did not grow up in a fancy program. She grew up showing ponies because that's, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but that's kind of what you do, I think, you know, and it's just really interesting because she talked a lot about, you know, like her personal relationship with her fiance, Dean talks about the, the London Olympics where, you know, she and Vallegro obviously were probably the most memorable pair of equestrian sport that year and how, you know, she was almost thinking of hurting herself in the aftermath of that, because it was just, she couldn't, she was, her personal life had basically like fallen apart. So um, anyway, I'm rambling a little bit about it, but Victoria, I know that you wrote a column in uh, this month's issue of Heels Down Magazine about it and, and not about the book, but about Charlotte. And so I, I'm sure you might have something to chime in having followed her for a while. Yeah. So after the book was um, released, she, she did an interview with one of the British newspapers about struggling with the mental side of her sport. And it, it was quite surprising to read because I've um, known Charlotte for quite a few years. Um, I spent some time with her filming um, in the run up to 2012. And she just seemed like the most kind of happy go lucky girl. You couldn't believe how fortunate she was to, you know, she basically turned up at Carl Hester's for a riding lesson right. and never left. <laughs> and, um, and she just seemed so happy to be there and so excited about the Olympics, you know, really cool about it. She kept saying, you know, it's just another center line, <laughs> and uh, which always and made me laugh. But I guess all that build up and it was also quick you know she only rode her first Grand Prix on Vallegra I think in 2011 and within a year and a bit a she year, was competing yeah. at the biggest incredible. event in the world and it was all just so quick and you know she didn't build her way up she was 
you know zero to hero in an instant and so yeah. then where do you go from there apart from um apart from Diane and you know there was a lot of talk about the Lego going to be sold and I think she just couldn't bear having got up there and everything she'd sacrificed to get that gold medal and suddenly to have the threat of it all being taken away from her um, and of course it didn't turn out like that we all know that the Lego stayed and they had won another Olympic gold at, at Rio but um, it's really interesting and and quite refreshing for a rider to be so honest and to explain that it does it is a sport that takes a mental toll and Mm -hmm. um, I thought she was very brave um, coming out and saying that. Yeah absolutely and I think you know it's it's definitely a testament to having a good support system and you know we we talked about a lot this topic of mental health a lot on our previous episode episode 23 so if you guys haven't caught up yet um, definitely go back and listen to that one because we go a lot more in depth but um, you know it's a really good topic to continue to be aware of and to talk about and Charlotte is, um, you know, she's on a pedestal and she's on a very public platform. And the fact that she was able to to kind of put herself out there and put those honest words out there is is really important. So um, anyway, we are giving away a signed copy of The Girl on the Dancing Horse, Charlotte Duhardin's biography. So all you have to do is sign up for our daily newsletter, The Brief. Um, you can do that by signing up on heelsdownmag.com. You'll see the section to enter your email really cool things that are added to you or I'm sorry, sent to your email inbox every morning. Um, and we do think cool things like giveaway prizes. So check it out, subscribe. We will announce the winner on our next episode. Whether you need a water solution for one horse in a stall, two in the backyard or 40 head in the pasture, the classic equine by Richie line of waterers provide trouble-free worry-free access to water on demand. Visit classic for more information. So Victoria, we wanted to kind of bring you on and talk a little bit about Hickstead and kind of tell us a little bit about the the show itself and everything that kind of goes into being the press officer there. Tell us a little bit about it. So I've worked with Hickstead since 2011 um, and um, it's just, it's a really cool place to work. You know, it's one of those shows that when I was growing up in Scotland, um, I always dreamed of going to Babington and going to Olympia and going to Hickstead. So the fact that I now work there and get to go there on a regular basis is still That's really exciting. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> um, it, I mean, it's a real like British institution, you know, it was founded in 1960 and um, by this amazing guy called Douglas Barr who um, I think he trained as a lawyer and then he made his money in like car holiday homes on the coast and he loved show jumping so he competed on the British team and he was a big owner he owned um, a horse called Beethoven who won the world championship and and um, he'd heard about you know these other derby classes like Hamburg and he wanted to create something in the UK that would replicate that so with lots of like natural obstacles and he, he built the Hickstead Derby Bank to uh, copy Hamburg's but made it bigger and better because that was the yeah. kind of man he was <laughs> um, apparently he measured, it, he measured it in a snowstorm and so oh it added God. six inches to the height but I'm not sure oh my gosh. Is that true? but uh, that is uh, that's what he did he went out on New Year's Eve to measure it in, in a snow blizzard much to the um confusion of all the Hamburg officials but um and um so he just set up the thing and actually it's it's got a really cool history and um some of the riders were so shocked and horrified by these crazy obstacles that you would just never 
see in show jumping like the bank and he made an Irish bank as well that they obviously jump on and jump off um at speed you know there's been stories of like riders refusing to jump and having like strikes and uh, <laughs> and things like that so it's uh, got this amazing history and and so now they and they've had like European championships there I think they've had the world championships at Hickstead in the in the past so now um we have two big shows a year um two big international competitions we've got the derby meeting at the end of June and then the Royal International Horse Show at the end of July. Um, so busy gearing up for them though. And tell us a little bit, it's a little bit different to go to a show at Hickstead or the Rural Windsor. You guys don't just have like show jumping, you guys have derbies, show jumping, side saddle, dressage, correct? You guys have it all kind of in one. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So Hickstead is mainly show jumping um, and then showing is a huge part of it as well. And then they have driving and things. And at um, the July show, they've got the Eventers Challenge as well, which is really cool when all the top event riders come and do like arena cross country in the international arena. Um, but they're all just huge, big shows. And Hickstead's got eight rings of action. So wow. as well, the big oh my gosh. Ones, all these ones going out with, you know, show jumping from 90 centimeters upwards. You've got tiny little cross pull pony um classes they've got like loads of showing scurry driving um and so hicks says pretty big like that i think royal windsor's got even more variation because they've got um driving trials and um they've got endurance as well so um, and they have a csi correct yeah, so um, they've moved up to a, a five-star last year. Oh um, Rolex came on board with the sponsor of the Grand Prix. And uh, yeah, so they're getting all the top riders there. Um, and Windsor have also got displays. It's a real, because I think it's in the grounds of um, Windsor Castle and it's a real royal event. And so there's lots of kind of like... It's a beautiful backdrop. Stuff. I mean, it really that's is. kind of... <laughs> I just love like when you go over to England and go compete and there's like castles in the background and... Yeah. We don't have that kind of, we don't have that kind of like, you know, landscape as our backdrop of our dressage (laughs) ring when you're going down center line and you're like, oh, there's a beautiful castle in the background. We're very lucky. It's like our events, you know, we all, I make a joke and um, and one of my uh, web pieces ahead of badminton about how, you know, you don't have to have a a stately home to host a three-day event, but it helps. And so like badminton (laughs) and Burley have got these amazing, like stately homes, beautiful country houses, and they all, um, and a lot of our events are held at those kind of places because they all have this ancient parkland um and so royal windsor is a kind of showing and show jumping version of that they're like we see your country house and we raise you a castle and so um, (laughs) really cool cool. i can't wait to see who goes next after the castle they're like i see this and now they go to the next (laughs) one like a space station or something i don't know (laughs) well but uh, like sorry okay so as an amateur like if i over there and I want to show my horse like what is it is that a type of show that is it mostly like I mean you say they have like the kids on the pony so I'm assuming you know there's people that aren't necessarily professionals like how is that culture yeah I mean, as far showing as showing a massive a massive thing over here I think much more so in the UK than it is in America and they have um basically just classes on the flat for every single type of breed and type of horse, um, everything from little native ponies to huge heavyweight hunters. Um, and, um, and they, it is a huge amateur sport. Um, there are professionals and we call them show producers. And so they're the ones that are finding these top class show horses and they show them for a couple of years and then they tend to sell them 
go off and do another job and um and then the amateurs are obviously trying to compete against them and and just produce their own horse um so it's a real it's it's a funny sport because it's a real um it's obviously completely judged there's no um sort of points element and um all about having the most beautiful horse with the most perfect confirmation um manners um turnout has to be immaculate and they have to have beautiful paces and movement um, and be very obedient and cope with all the the goings on with the show um because quite often you can have a showing class in one ring and then like a motorcycle display in the next ring so oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah these horses have got to cope with a lot so um, wow I'd say it's one of the sort of biggest amateur um, competitor sports here in the UK is just showing. Huh. Well, and that's where Charlotte, I guess, started too. I was reading in her book. So that's like, it's interesting that it seems like now are a lot of the kids, is that kind of where they start and then they go up through, you know, whether they choose dressage or show jumping or eventing? Is that yeah, kind of definitely. how it works? Or? It's starting to change a little bit more and now kids are, are slightly being pushed towards more um, of the competition disciplines from quite an early age whereas before and I think even you know as young as Charlotte is um, she's slightly more generation where you would show up you'd do pony club you'd do showing and then you'd go off and and specialize when you got a bit older so it is starting to change but loads of top riders have come up through the show ring Um, Laura Riders, another one that um, showed um, as a, a young a young rider, and you get lots of jockeys who are now professional race riding who um, grew up in the show ring. So it teaches you a lot about you know performance and um, patience and sitting very prettily but being effective as well. So I do think it's a good grinding for for professional riders. Cool. Because your horse deserves optimum nutrition delivered naturally, they deserve Stanley Premium Western Forage. There's no better place in the country to grow forage than Idaho, and Stanley is one of the country's largest producers. Whether it's pellets, cubes, chopped forage in bags to compressed bales, Stanley cultivates premium forage types horse owners demand. Simply put, horse owners deserve Stanley Premium Western Forage because they deserve the very best. Go to stanleyforage.com. So, Victoria, I have another question for you. I keep asking. I love the difference in, like, what you know, the U S kind of does things and how the UK does it. And I think it's just a different point. So when we were over there years ago competing, we did, we shipped out to like the all weather footings because the weather had been so bad. And over here in the States, like most people have their own kind of hill that they'll gallop up or like a flat area or whatever, but you guys do a lot with all weather tracks. It's slowly starting to be that way here, but is that kind of like the norm that everybody does that? definitely the event riders um and there's quite a lot of correlation between racing and eventing so um people will find their friendly local racehorse trainer and go down and use their gallops or they might head to a race course because oh. i guess um the uk is just so much smaller and um you know uh, most people don't have masses and masses of land or if they do you know it might be quite flat or uh, might not have the best going or as you say you know the weather is um plays its part and so we don't always have great going it's either knee deep in mud or brick hard so um yeah at this time of year event venters are all off um doing fitness work on uh, going to the gallops as they say every every week off to the gallops or i'm off to gallop this one and uh, and off they go and they'll ship out most people will like load up most their barn and ship out or are they close yeah. enough they can kind of hack most people no, like what's the I mean- average they ship out <laughs> Yeah, most people are like driving up to an hour to get to their local gallops. If you're lucky, wow. you've got, 
really close. But yeah, most most yards wouldn't have their own gallets. It becomes quite a, a rare thing. So um, only the kind of top, top professional guys um, with lots of land can can afford their own gallops. So um, yeah, they tend to do, do lots of galloping work and then lots of hacking on the roads as well, which I guess is a real difference between the UK and, and, and over in the States um, is, um, yeah, we, we have to ride on roads. We we have a network of what we call bridleways, which are like equestrian paths that you can use when you're riding out. But to reach them, you have to go on roads. And so we're all kind of um, forced to ride in busy traffic quite regularly. Um, and um, I was reading quite recently about um, Christopher Burton was riding on his horses and he got hit by a car just before badminton. So, um, oh, my gosh, I did not hear that. Oh yeah, bit, I mean, obviously he wasn't badly injured. Right, but yeah. To show and uh, and for you know it's a huge thing over here is road safety and and um, we're sharing kind of bending twisting roads with people who don't um, always slow down for horses or pass. Yeah, the roads are so narrow. Like the very short amount of time that I spent, you know, in an area where there were horses in the UK, it was just like, like I could not imagine <laughs> like I'm kind of a chicken about that sort of thing so I don't yeah, know I'd be able to do that like it was wet and rainy and narrow and it was just <laughs> like oh my gosh this is terrifying you guys ride on these roads yeah, oh yeah even, every day I couldn't even <laughs> drive on the roads I'm gonna be honest like I was a chicken and never ever drove on the roads like I had Jesse Phoenix actually drove me because I one at the time couldn't drive a stick which yes everybody <laughs> can judge me because uh, my husband did for a long time till he taught me so yes I couldn't imagine like driving much less riding on the roads and being like oh my gosh because that is such a different thing we do a lot of hacking but same thing it's not on you guys uh, have like roads. yeah yeah, like pathways that mm-hmm. you can go on at least yeah and we do but not uh not to get anywhere near as much and um and you know we're losing access all the time so we have to really fight for access and and I think a lot of people who don't have horses just look around and they think oh there's loads of fields there why are there horses on the road but right you can't just ride in a farmer's <laughs> field it's very strict <laughs> and stuff and um you know there's quite quite a lot of farmers are really sensibly like opening up um tracks around their fields and then they charge a fee so that you can ride um um, we call them you know tow rides that you can go on but we need to get more of those and it is it is a bit of a shame that we're having to spend more and more money with our horses we know how expensive it is anyway um but just to have somewhere safe to ride because the roads are getting quite scary so victoria i've followed your career for a little bit i i'm a little bit of a stalker people kind of know me around here as, as such so <laughs> um, don't be weirded out or anything it's fine um but, you know, like I, you know, my my very brief career getting to cover so many awesome events. I think one of my favorites has been going to the Rebecca Farm event out in Montana here in the States. And it's just like the most picturesque event and it's beautiful and everybody's just kind of it's very communal feeling. And I don't know, it's just definitely one of like my, I would say, career highlights. But I know you've covered some really, really cool shows. So I'm really interested to hear what your favorite like journalistic moment or show has been. Yeah, I mean, I as I said earlier, I've been so lucky that all the shows that I used to dream of going to when I was a little kid, I and I have been to most of them and worked at most of them, like your badmintons and burleys. I've done um, several European championships and 
one world equestrian games which are for the wrong reasons (laughs) (laughs) is it the one that we won't mention uh, yes yeah yeah i still bear the scars but um the one that um i do always remember is um when we had our home olympics in in london 2012 um it was just the coolest summer and I just started working for Horse and Country TV um, the year previously and accreditation had already closed by the time I started working there. And um, as usual at Horse and Country, we started to plan things quite late. And I thought, you know, what what are we going to do with the Olympics? Because they're in our back garden, basically, we're, they're on home turf and we don't have accreditation. We're not going to be there. And so in the end, we found this lovely lady who had a house really near Greenwich Park, where all the equestrian events were held. And so we hired her house for the entire two or three weeks of the Games. And um, and so we did a daily talk show um, and I was the producer and I had to like direct it and time it, which was the first time I've ever kind of done as live television so it was a bit of a baptism of fire <laughs> um my good friend and colleague uh, Jenny Rudo she was presenting and basically we would sit and watch the Olympics all day on TV um even though it was happening like 10 minute walk away we'd be sitting there glued to the TV and then the minute the events finished that was it we'd a flurry of activity we'd send the runner down they'd go and grab people from the park we'd be doing vox pops we'd um we'd grab riders and we'd bring them back up and and do this talk show and hilariously we couldn't um show any actual footage of of the olympic action because it's all very kind of strictly monitored yeah. and who gets tv rights and stuff and we definitely did not have tv rights <laughs> and so we would be like no that was an amazing round by william Foxbit. here's him at badminton <laughs> it was so funny and um and we did it all like that but we got some really cool guests and some slightly random guests like people who owned a horse that had finished like 30th or something so we'd have to interview them <laughs> and we'd be like Take what you can get on yeah exactly but it, it was really fun and and um I lived on the opposite side of the river to where the um Olympic events were held the equestrian events so every morning I'd walk through the Olympic area and it was just such a cool atmosphere and um everyone was really happy and in a good mood and you'd be walking past all these people going to watch the dressage and the show jumping and the eventing and a lot of them had never seen equestrian sport before and they were just all so excited about being there and and it's a really happy time I just I have really fond memories of of being there and walking past it when we covered the not quite and really funnily um <laughs> the next month we obviously had the Paralympics in the same place but this time it was quite easy to get accreditation and uh, so we got to go and sit in the stands which was much better and um I always remember um we weren't allowed to clap at the end of the dressage test because they were worried that some of the horses might be quite spooked um quite frightened by it and um and it was such a big atmosphere as well and huge big stands and you don't often get that with um Paralympic um dressage so it was really cool that they got the same kind of levels of support as the um olympic disciplines did um yeah that's awesome we so we got to be in for the whole thing which was really cool got to like um hang out with the athletes afterwards and which was amazing but we also noticed that our press passes said all sports like access all areas so we were like amazing (laughs) so we went to the olympic um to the olympic stadium and we're watching like paralympic um like 
shot putting and and all these things and they all these press guys would come up to us and say now do you need the results of of this race and we were like yes yes and we'd take the results and pretend to be like <laughs> taking it all very seriously when actually that's all we're doing is <laughs> writing about the horses and nothing else so that's awesome um, but yeah so a very different experience from the olympics to the paralympics but both are real highlights of my um career as, a, as an equestrian journalist Oh my gosh. Well, you'll remember those forever. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I wish I think it'll be beyond my lifetime when we have the games again, but I just loved having them. It was really cool. Oh, I can only imagine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Victoria, we have this little thing that we do on our show. It's called Rose and Thorn. And Jess, do you want to tell her what she's in for? Yeah. So, we always love to have guests on, and it's something fun. Rose and Thorn, it's super easy. But Rose is your favorite, like, moment of the week, I guess, or, you know, if you have a highlight of the month or whatever. And then Thorn is kind of like the thorn in your back, like what kind of irritated you or what was like a you know, disappointing thing of the week. So <laughs> we'll give you some time to think about it. <laughs> Sally go first. I'll, I'll go first. first. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love going first. It's great. I'm going through an attitude adjustment. Okay. So my rose is really exciting. Um, I was speaking with, so I actually had the opportunity to meet Chris Kapler, a very famous show jumping writer, and now oh, he's yeah. a coach. I met him actually way back when we were in Kentucky, which is, it, I guess it was forever ago now. It's crazy, like a month ago. But so he was talking to me and I was chatting with him because I was doing some articles that I had gotten quotes from him for. And um, he mentioned that he was teaching a USHJA like instructors clinic out here in California. So he actually invited me to come out. It's like a, it's kind of, I guess for an eventer, it would be like an ICP, like a clinic, a instructor certification type course. And I think it's something similar that it's at this farm, like a little South of LA uh, in the middle of July. So he was like, yeah, if you want to come up, like, let me know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm super excited. And um, he's the nicest human I've ever met. So I'm really excited that I kind of got to meet him. And then my thorn is, it's kind of lame, but it's, um, it's been kind of like cloudy and chilly here in San Diego, which is really not that bad, I guess, compared to the rest of the world. But it's like really throwing a damper. I don't know if I guess I'm just really weather sensitive, but it's just not been super pleasant here. And I've been having trouble like waking up in the mornings. And it's just like, I don't know, you guys know when you just like wake up on the wrong side of the bed and it just like throws off your whole day. Like that's been <laughs> me for like the, the last week. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, I just probably, like can't handle it. <laughs> it's probably just as well. You don't live in the UK then. I, I was just going to say, I know I shouldn't <laughs> complain, Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> I think you would be like happy for three weeks a year. <laughs> I was going to well, say, cause this is going to be the bad thing. Cause we've had bad weather for like the last past week. And so this is bad. Cause that was going to be my thorn was (laughs) the weather is bad so I'm pretty sure UK edition should be that the weather was just bad for you know most of us and Victoria's having good weather so and she's gonna be like that's her rose (laughs) yeah yeah. wow we're so exciting guys (laughs) (laughs) oh no this is kind of a boring one I was hoping you not steal that one I should have gone first this time Uh, (laughs) man so well, I mean, I guess that is like, I've had a good week other than it was raining all last week. So it was kind of gross. It's finally starting to get better, but that would have to be my thorn. And the rose would be, which we haven't even really announced it, but we just bought a baby horse. So, hey. so I'm super excited. We, he was born a couple weeks ago, I guess. And like a baby, excited. baby horse. 
baby, baby. Yeah. He'll, he's a yearling. (laughs) Like he'll stay down in Texas till probably September till we pick him up September, October till uh, he gets weaned. So, but we're super excited. We've, we have another one from this breeder, Lisa O'Brien in Texas. She has that, she bred the Quincy, we call him Quincy, but quintessence horse that Doug won the six year old jumper final, like young jumper finals on. Yeah. And so he's a super cool horse. So she reached out that she had just had another baby and we're really excited about him. See what he's going to be. Maybe he won't be that tall and he'll be mine. Yeah. So I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah. You need to build your own string up now. It's <laughs> well, it's like, that's how you can tell who's, who's in the barn is Doug's are massive and mine are little. So <laughs> would be me too. I like, like the little one. <laughs> I do. So I'm like, maybe this one won't grow that big and he'll be mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we determine whose babies are who, (laughs) like by height. I think that's fair. That's what I think. So, so Victoria, (laughs) what do you have for us? So um, my rose, I think I'm going to have is taking my uh, little baby boy to his first like big international show jumping event uh, to watch. (laughs) He's not competing quite yet. He's only 11 months old and um, he doesn't um, really kind of focus on much yet. He's got quite a short attention span, but he suddenly got really interested in this big show jumping event and he was staring at the horses. But what was really cute is um, when they would actually jump over the fence he would be like <laughs> and it's really oh. enthusiastic right? so there's all these like because it, it was at Royal Windsor and everyone was very sort of smartly sitting there drinking pims of course and, uh, <laughs> and they're all very silently watching and there's just my baby like over every fence which I just that's thought was amazing really but um <laughs> my husband is a sport obsessive works in 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 sport and soccer is his main thing and he's convinced that our little boy Rory is going to follow him and like soccer but I I'm now getting more excited that he might actually like equestrian sport instead. So um, that can be my rose. I was a, a very proud mom at that moment. Um, and talking of jumping, that can also be my thorn. because I haven't been jumping much over the winter. Um, I stopped riding while I was pregnant and then um, got back into it and been doing a bit more flat work and a bit more dressage. But I decided to enter a combined training competition, um, which I don't know if you guys have over there, but basically just um, dressage and jumping. Um, so yeah. eventing without the, <laughs> the cross country. And um, I told my my trainer that um, whose yard I'm based on that I was going to do combined training that I hadn't jumped for ages. And she was a bit like, oh, OK. And so she... <laughs> I love <laughs> she that. <laughs> we arranged to have a, a jumping lesson um, at London time today but unfortunately she had to cancel she had a bit of an emergency with her her horse box her her transport so I thought no I've got to jump now because I'm entered in a competition and my thorn is having to do jumps on your own when there's nobody else around to do them for you I had to build all the fences before which was really annoying and then like I am not the bravest jumper and I like to kind of have to start small and build them up gradually so that I barely notice it but when you're getting off and on and having to do them yourself like small (laughs) they get big real fast <laughs> yeah exactly because I just can't be bothered so and then I'm like oh my god that's quite big and um, I feel like I haven't done that gradual sneaking up and so yeah at one point I kind of came up a little bit cautiously my mirror was like what's going on what's wrong with this fence and stopped twice and then oh, I was no. unlike her and then I rode back round and she was like, oh, for God's sake. And she just jumped and took me over while I did very little. So it's <laughs> like, you just hang on. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, bless was, her heart. So uh, that's yeah, like a I, whole other discussion. Like, cause I totally agree with you. It's really hard to do that on your own. 
it is. I need. I think. Well, now that Rory is getting bigger and getting more interested, I need to train him up. To That's build. it. Yeah. <laughs> to be your jump crew. Yeah. Yeah. You can be exactly. The <laughs> That's my plan. Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So we have a mailbag question. This is from Shannon in our Facebook group. And um, as always, you guys can join and post in our Facebook group. It's the Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge. And anybody's welcome to join. So Shannon wanted to know, and she says, do any of you ever venture out and ride in a completely different discipline just to expand your toolkit for training and general horsemanship? So I went on this personal journey of horse disciplines a couple years ago. And I was like, I'm going to try everything. Well, I only made it through two extra disciplines, but they were cool. I tried (laughs) reining and I tried um, saddle seat. And the saddle seat was really cool because I have a video of it somewhere. I'll have to show you guys, but it's like exaggerated posting and like everything that I'm used to not doing. And then the reining was also like, I look like an equal idiot in that one, in that video too. Cause it's like, I think I'm going so fast and I'm like crawling in a sort cause I was doing a spin and <laughs> I was like getting dizzy and I watched the video back and it was like, you know, slow motion, but it was cool because, you know, it, it doesn't, I don't know that it necessarily gave me anything for my discipline, but it does teach you kind of like the importance of what aids you are using, even if it's completely different. So you, it learn it kind of helps you be in tune with your body and knowing kind of how to adjust it for the horse that you're on, you know, if it's a different discipline. So I don't know. What do you, but what about you guys? So Victoria, have you ever kind of gone into different disciplines? Yeah. I mean, I, I've um, done a bit of everything growing up and then um, since going on to horses, I've always had um, off the track thoroughbreds. So I've always done whatever they're best at rather than trying to get one to uh, do what I want to do. I just have to fit in with them. And uh, so I've done a bit of everything. Um, And then um, during magazine features I've been lucky enough to go off and try a couple of different sports. So I've tried polo, which was really fun, um, but I got told off for having that. Yeah, it was really fun. I and mean, it was difficult um, to hit the ball, um, easier at canter than at walk, strangely enough. Yeah. Um, but I always remember like saying, this pony won't canter. I can't get him to move. And they're like, get up off his back. You know, it's not a dress. I said, get up and have a light seat. And I was like, all right, that's how to do it. And um, so that was really fun. But the weirdest one I did was vaulting. And oh. um, and I got to go and ride a horse that had been used at the World Equestrian Games and vaulting. It was called Tiny, and it was 18 hands high, so it definitely <laughs> was it. And I was probably about like 25 when I did it, and there was all these like little tiny kids who were all professional vaulters. And within one lesson, I was able to stand up and encounter and balance on the back of a horse. So it was quite oh, a cool wow. Sport. And I did think, I used to do gymnastics when I was a kid. And if I discovered the sport, that could have been me. I could have been at WEG. But uh, by that time, I was too old. And I, yeah. They were <laughs> going to take you. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't athletic enough. And, um, and my vaulting days were over. And I will always remember that when the magazine came out, somebody came up to me at a big trade fair and said, oh, I saw you trying when you tried out trapeze. Oh, <laughs> oh was, God. <laughs> it wasn't trapeze, but that could be a new equestrian sport. That's amazing. <laughs> so I grew up actually doing Western with barrels. And so I did that and then at Hunters at the same time. So I did oh, wow. both. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird, but I guess that was just kind of us growing up. We had, you know, Western horses and English horses and just kind of a little bit of everything. So 
I, um, I did bell racing for a while and that was a lot of fun. And my sister actually has reining horses and they do roping as well. And that's fun. Like when we go practice on the dummies and so like roping them, I'm not very good at all. I usually like hit myself very <laughs> a couple times, but then also, which was fun. I've done polo. My dad signed us up for polo lessons one time as kids. We were, I was not very good at all. Like, honestly, this is, I would lean all the way off the horse to hit them out. And they're like, you're going to get taken out if you actually try to play because they want you very center in it. And that was not very good. But the one we did most recently, which was a lot of fun was sorting where you have the cows like in a pen and they have numbers on them. And we had clients that took us that have very well-trained sorting horses, which was so much fun. Like I could not go on one of mine. Mine would probably kick the cow on accident or something. So we went on well-trained horses and that was so much fun because you go in there, somebody holds the gate. And by the end, we were like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. And same thing. You think you're going so fast. I wasn't going very fast. (laughs) (laughs) Always how it is. Then you watch like somebody go really fast and you're like, oh, I don't know if I could go that fast. Yeah, like that actually looks terrifying. (laughs) So it was a lot of fun to do the sorting. So I don't know if we necessarily do it for our toolkit more than it was just a lot of fun. And it was an afternoon that we went with clients to their other life of sorting horses. So yeah, kind of, (laughs) I love dabbling in other ones and seeing, you know, the ponies and stuff and everything. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks, Shannon. That was a fun little discussion. Um, So if you guys have questions for us, it could be serious or funny or anything that you want us to kind of expand on. Um, You can, like I said, join the Facebook group, Heels Down Happy Hour Podcast Lounge, or you can just send us an email at hello at heelsdownmedia.com. If you want to hear more from us and also... So, you know, Victoria writes a column for us in the magazine every month. So that's an extra bonus for you guys. Um, Definitely check out Heels Down Magazine. It's an interactive digital magazine on your phone or tablet, so you can take it anywhere. Uh, You can download it on iTunes or Google Play or check out our website at heelsdownmag.com. We will be releasing episodes of Heels Down Happy Hour on the second and last Fridays of each month. Did you know that you can get the Horse Radio Network app on your iOS or Android phone? You can search for Horse Radio Network in the App Store, and it's free and super easy to use. And thank you to our sponsors, EcoGold, Giddy Up Goodies, Stanley Premium Western Forage, Classic Equine by Richie, and Flair Equine Strips. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much, Victoria. We loved having you on, and it was great learning all about the differences between here and over in the UK. Oh, well, thank you for having me. All right. Well, cheers, you guys. Have an excellent week. Cheers. Thanks, Victoria. Thanks. Cheers. Bye.